This is Dr. Jimmy Nichols, equine nutritionist. On this podcast, we will explore unique cases, debunk popular myths, and break down advanced research data. Join me for a little fun, a lot of science, and some real-world advice for feeding horses. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Jimmy. I want to welcome you guys all to episode 30 of The Feed Room Chemist. Um, Today, we are going to get into a listener questions episode, which means I'm basically going to be answering a series of listener questions. Uh, This particular group of questions are all kind of in the same vein, so they should play pretty well off of one another. Um, they're, They're basically going to be focused around Uh, the health of tendons, ligaments. Um, We're going to touch a little bit on DSLD and OCDs in horses. So for those of you who have just been itching to get into tendon and ligament health um, and what we can do from a nutritional aspect, this is your episode. But before we get um, any farther in, I just want to say thank you to all of you listeners. we have officially reached the the thousand download per episode mark. So our um, you know our episodes are all getting roughly a thousand downloads or more now, and that has been a goal. Um, when we set out to to start this show, we wanted to get to a thousand downloads, and we finally have reached that. So um, I just want to say thank you to all of you who have been faithful listeners, and thank you to everyone who's given us ratings and reviews on your podcast apps. Um, anytime you do that, it actually helps increase um, the chance that other people will find this podcast. So I really appreciate the ratings and the reviews. And then also, I really appreciate everyone who has um, either tagged us or shared our episodes on social media. Um, that is another huge way that the word um, has gotten out about this podcast. So I just, I really appreciate your support. And I just want to tell you guys all thank you. And uh, now we're going to have to set a new goal for ourselves. So, all right, let's get into the questions. The first question is from Lindsay, and she says, is there anything that I can feed that is proven to aid in repairing or healing tendons? And then is there anything that I can feed daily to prevent future tendon damage and support just overall tendon health? Okay. So um, before answering Lindsay's question, I actually did a really quick Google search of the words equine tendon supplement. And it returned approximately 667,000 results. (laughs) So I get why people can be really confused when it comes to figuring out, you know, the best therapies to use for a horse that's maybe been recovering um, from a tendon injury. I mean, that's just a lot of information out there to sort through. So I, um, I hope that I am going to do a little bit of the dirty work for you. Um, Let's so so let's start off with some basics to kind of get everyone up to speed. Um, when I'm talking about tendons and ligaments, so tendons are responsible for connecting bone to muscle, and ligaments are responsible for connecting bone to bone. Okay, so both of these um, contain very few blood vessels, and that's one of the main reasons that it is so difficult to heal a tendon or a ligament injury. Okay. So when the body is injured um, under normal processes, it would send growth factors and, you know, other healing aids to the injury site through blood, 
Okay. But in the case of tendons and ligaments, that doesn't really work as well because there's just such limited vasculature in those tendons and ligaments. Okay. So it's just difficult um, to get that supply to the injury site. And that's also one of the reasons that it takes so darn long for a torn tendon to heal. I mean, I don't know how many of you out there have dealt with a horse that, you know, has has torn a suspensory or, you know, torn a tendon. I mean, it just, it, it is a long, long process. I mean, your horse is for sure out for the season. Um, and if, if you don't take the proper time and attention to heal it correctly, um, your, your horse is definitely going to be more susceptible to further tears. Um, and even if you do take the time to really make sure that it heals correctly, they still are going to be more susceptible because, um, that healing site and that scar tissue is basically going to be, you know, kind of a weak spot, uh, in that tendon or ligament and will predispose the horse to, to potential further damage. So, if we're dealing with uh, a horse that that has got a, a torn tendon or ligament, uh, you know, I, I mentioned that blood flow and circulation is so limited. It's one of our limiting factors. So nitric oxide is actually one component that can be really helpful for a horse that has a torn tendon. Okay, so nitric oxide is it's basically a molecule that's produced by the body. And it can actually have um, a, a number of beneficial effects. But in this particular case, um, we like it because it supports blood flow and circulation. So the magic happens when a certain enzyme called nitric oxide synthase uses the amino acid L-arginine to produce nitric oxide within the body. Okay, so researchers have actually studied nitric oxide in tendon injuries and found that it, that it significantly impacts the rate of tendon healing. Specifically, they're finding that when a tendon is injured, there is actually an upregulation of the specific enzyme that's needed to generate that nitric oxide. And then when there's more nitric oxide present in the body, there's actually enhanced collagen synthesis uh, or enhanced, uh, the body has a, a, the ability to produce more collagen. Okay, that's what I mean when I say collagen, collagen synthesis. And then it also, um, nitric oxide also has significant positive effects on the clinical symptoms and the function in patients with tendon injuries. So um, it's so a lot of the research that that we have to rely on from horses, um, we actually have to look a lot into human research because a lot more has been done um, in humans than in horses. So you know you kind of have to bounce back and forth between equine research and human research. Um, to get some of this information. But so one catch with nitric oxide is it it's actually a free radical. Okay. So when you're increasing free radicals in the body, so if you're trying to increase that nitric oxide in the body, you're increasing free radicals. So you need to be mindful that you're also providing a really good package of antioxidant support. Okay. So antioxidants are the molecules that are stable enough to donate one of their electrons to a free radical, which then neutralizes it so that it doesn't actually cause uh, damage within the body, okay? So that's that's the purpose um, as to why you would use antioxidants or need to use antioxidants in combination with, um, you know, a supplement that's trying to increase nitric oxide within the body. So, you know, I hear people say, 
uh, they've heard that they should feed antioxidants to horses with tendon conditions. And one big reason that you would do that is primarily to help offset uh, what you are hopefully doing from a nitric oxide standpoint. And then um, there, there is also theory that certain antioxidants, um, so you know, things like vitamin C, for example, there's theory that those are going to help improve um, collagen uh, rebuilding and, and collagen synthesis within the body. So that's kind of the approach, you know, the, the two-sided approach as to why you might want to include antioxidants into the diet of a horse that's dealing with a tendon injury. Now, if you're looking at supplement labels um, and you want to provide a nitric oxide supplement to a horse, you're not going to find the words nitric oxide in the ingredient list. Okay. So remember that I said nitric oxide is something that the body produces. So you have to actually supply the body with the right precursors and then let the body do that work naturally or internally. Okay. So the nitric oxide supplement that I generally recommend is called Surge. Um, so getting back to Lindsay's question, if I had a horse with a tendon injury, I would definitely get that horse started on Surge, and then I would also use Orthomax. And if I wanted to provide just a good, you know, preventative maintenance supplement for a horse that maybe has not had any specific injuries, um, I would probably lean on using Orthomax uh, just by itself. You wouldn't necessarily need Surge uh, if you were using it just more as a preventative maintenance. Now, the second question is from Ophelia. She says, um, this, okay, so this is kind of, uh, she's, she's asking a question and providing history on her horse kind of all at the same time. So she says, what nutritional recommendations might you have for a 23-year-old horse with chronic tendon or ligament inflammation and weakness? More specifically, he is suffering from degenerative suspensory ligament desmitis, so DSLD. Um, his diet is primarily grass hay. She lives in New York and then fresh grass when possible. As for grain, he eats a ration balancer. It's 32% protein and um, includes the amino acids, lysine, methionine, and threonine. The hyperextension of the suspensories has resulted in arthritis in his fetlocks. Uh, she says, I have him on rewind for the omega-3 fatty acid support, and I feed a joint supplement with glucosamine, chondroitin, MSM, and hyaluronic acid. I've also been recommended resveratrol. I already administer water-soluble vitamin E per my veterinarian's recommendations. I would love to hear any and all recommendations that you may have on the topic. All right. Thanks, Ophelia. I appreciate the detailed information on your horse and this particular case. So for those of you who may not be familiar with the term DSLD, um, you maybe are more familiar with the term or, or people talking about a horse that has dropped fetlocks. Okay. So, um, you know, horses with DSLD are basically, there's a weakening of those ligaments and it causes their fetlock to just continue to drop. And in really, really severe cases, that fetlock can actually almost drop all the way down to the ground. Um, so if you haven't seen it before and you want to see it, just do a really quick um, Google search. Uh, and there are plenty of pictures there that, <laughs> that'll give you an idea of what we're talking about. So the exact cause of DSLD um, hasn't really been exactly determined. But what we do know is that there are certain breeds that are definitely uh, more commonly affected. So quarter horses, thoroughbreds, um, Arabians, Passos, and saddlebreds, um, they're, they're going to all be really susceptible to this disease. And basically, um, you know, what it is, is it's just a weakening of the connective tissues, so the, the ligaments and tendons that are in the lower leg. Um, 
So veterinarians at Conley and Coots Equine Hospital believe that one theory um, as to why this happens in horses is that these horses with DSLD may actually have abnormal healing processes in the suspensory ligaments. Okay, so in, in a normal horse, um, you would exercise them and that exercise and that work would cause micro tears in the ligament. Okay, this basically, you know, that's a normal process and it basically cues the body to then lay down collagen fibers uh, to repair that ligament and build it back to be stronger. Now in horses with DSLD, um, they actually don't lay down collagen properly, or, th or the theory is that they don't lay down collagen properly, and instead their body actually produces cartilage um, instead of collagen. And, and cartilage is not able to stretch and extend in the same manner as collagen. So you end up getting this breakdown and causing this dropped fetlock, okay? You should definitely work with your veterinarian on these cases um, as you know, so there uh, common recommendations, you know, in this situation, you know, your, your veterinarian is probably going to recommend some kind of therapeutic trimming or shoeing. Um, they might have you, you know, pull toes back. They might have you add a heel wedge. Um, you know, they might put bar shoes on in order to try to support that limb, but, um, but then also relieve some of the pressure and the tension that is on the ligaments. Um, so for horses with DSLD, you know, typically stall rest is not generally going to be used in these horses like it would be, um, if you had a horse that had a true traumatic ligament injury. Okay. And that's, um, you know, so if, if a horse, um, you know, an, a performance horse tears a tendon or ligament, you know, one of the, one of the first things that you have to do is confine them and keep them from moving and give that ligament time to heal. Um, you know, that's... In, in a horse with DSLD, it's it's that's not necessarily going to help. So um, they may have you restrict that horse's movement a little bit if you're if they're making really major changes in you know the shoeing or the angles of of that foot until those ligaments in the body can kind of get it, uh, used to that and adjusted to it before they would allow them to go back out into the pasture or be more free moving. Um, but DSLD is is generally career ending. Okay, so. Um, it, it causes a lot of pain, it causes inflammation, and it causes, you know, instability of the horse's joints. So these horses generally um, can't be ridden. And, it, and, you know, I guess another factor is it's, it's non-reversible. Okay, so our approach for a DSLD horse is going to be more from, um, you know, the, the supportive care is going to be more focused on quality of life and then just any effort that we can make at slowing the progression as much as possible. So getting back to Ophelia's questions, um, you know, I think having him on rewind for that potent omega-3 anti-inflammatory support is a really great move, especially where she mentioned that, you know, the severity of his condition has also, you know, has started to create um, arthritis and pain in his joints. So that that product actually contains the New Zealand green lipped muscle, um, which has been really effective at reducing pain and inflammation in horses with arthritis. So I explained just a little bit more about um, the green lip muscle and that particular form of omega-3. It's it's not the same form that you would find in fish oil. So, you know, with with most marine um, fatty acids or omega-3s, we're usually talking about EPA and DHA. 
with the New Zealand green lip mussel, the effect of omega-3 is actually called ETA. So it's a completely different fatty acid chain than what um, you might be used to hearing when we talk about omega-3s. And it, it, is, it is really potent and really beneficial at helping the body um, kind of curb some of the uh, inflammatory processes that take place. So I think that Ophelia is also doing really well by providing, you know, she's providing a well-rounded trace mineral and amino acid package. Um, and then she's also offering glucosamine, chondroitin, and MSM. Now, I'm not sure what products that she's using, um, but that's definitely, you know, in theory, that's definitely the right approach to be taking. And so if, if, if somebody is sitting here listening and, and you guys are looking for a recommendation on, you know, what I would suggest for that, you know, trace mineral amino acid, and then glucosamine chondroitin and MSM package. Um, you can actually get all of that out of two supplements called 101 Diet Balancer and then Orthomax. So those are definitely the two that I would recommend in this situation. Um, and then as far as the question about, you know, resveratrol or other antioxidants like vitamin E, I mean, they certainly are not going to hurt anything. And there's, you know, there's actually, there is theory out there that they may provide some benefit. Um, you know, in collagen formation and in tendon or ligament health. But um, I actually did try to kind of search the, re the literature and I wasn't able to find any specific studies that were related to antioxidants in horses with DSLD specifically. Um, so, you know, it, I guess it's, it's one of those things. I, you know, I would say that, that vitamin C is one antioxidant that, that does play a role in collagen formation. So, you know, maybe vitamin C would be a good benefit to this horse. Um, you would find vitamin C listed in the ingredient analysis as um, ascorbic acid. Okay, so that's generally the term that that will be used on supplement labels for vitamin C. I don't know, um, it, but I, you know what? If if there's if if there are researchers out there listening to this right now, I feel like someone should do some research on uh, antioxidant support and tendon and ligament health. So the last question that I'm going to address is from Allie. And Allie asked, is there anything I can feed to my five-year-old gilding that just had stifle surgery that will help repair the bones and soft tissue, um, specifically the meniscus and ACL area of the stifle? And then secondly, she wants to know, um, what should I look for in a feed for my mare in full to help prevent OCDs? Okay. So I hope you guys are kind of getting the feel that all, all three of these uh, listener questions are basically cut from the same cloth, okay? So that's why I've actually chosen to group them together in the same episode. We're dealing with bones, tendon, and ligament damage, okay? And anytime you're dealing with bone or tissue damage, you have to consider the fact that the horse's body is going to need certain nutritional building blocks in order to adequately repair that damage, okay? Um, in addition to that, the body is also going to need to increase blood flow to the injury site in order to transport those important factors that are needed for, for efficient healing. So in the case of, of a horse with an acute injury to the stifle or the ACL, um, you know, our goal is going to be to get this horse healed back as quickly as possible. So we're going to want to increase blood supply through the use of a nitric oxide supplement, just like I mentioned earlier. And then um, let's consider some of the building blocks that would be needed. Okay, so um, one duo that's commonly referenced, and I'm sure that almost anybody listening to this has probably heard, is uh, glucosamine and then chondroitin sulfate. So one study investigated tendon to bone healing over a six to 12 week period. Uh, they actually used rabbits as a model, okay? 
um, one of the reasons that you would need to do that is to to truly look at um, tendon to bone healing and the strength of tendons and the strength of that attachment. Um, you you do have to sacrifice the animals at the end of a study period, and so you obviously wouldn't want to do that type of a study in horses. Um, so rabbits were used as the model. But, you know, most mammals have um, pretty similar structures and, and a lot of similarities that you can actually kind of extrapolate the results that you would find out of a model like this into horses or, or even humans. So the researchers basically found that um, supplementing with glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate did indeed enhance the tendon to bone healing. So glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate may actually play a positive role in, re in um, speeding up that recovery time and then also improving the healing quality of that bone to tendon growth. Okay. I tell you what, so during college, I actually tore the ACL in my right knee three times and had to have re re reconstructive surgery all three times. And I really wish that I would have known about this particular study then, <laughs> uh, which actually I don't think it had even been done at that point. But I wish I would have known this because you can bet I would have been scouring the human supplement labels, actually trying to find one that contained the right sources and amounts of the glucosamine and chondroitin that could have helped in that healing process because I would have been completely satisfied with just one torn ACL and one reconstructive surgery, uh, not three. So, okay, let's, at, let's actually talk ruptures and tears. So let's assume that this horse has a partially torn ACL. Um, so tendons and ligaments are made primarily of collagen, okay? Collagen is made up of these little building blocks called amino acids. And two of the most important amino acids in tendon and ligaments are glycine and proline. So according to, um, let's see, I think, it, uh, let's see, it was a 2017 paper from um, scientists at Texas A&M. They um, actually said that mammals, so you, me, our horses, right, we can actually create glycine and proline as long as our diet contains appropriate amounts of other very specific amino acids. Um, another important amino acid to consider would be leucine because it is known to directly stimulate muscle cell growth and repair. And it has also been shown to be um, directly related to uh, the stimulation or it, leucine directly stimulates tendon formation is what I'm trying to say. Um, so leucine is definitely one that, that you wanna look for. So the take home message here, um, if I had a horse that had a torn tendon or an ACL injury, I would definitely put them on a supplement that provides leucine. And then um, I would make sure that we are providing the specific nutrients that are needed to allow the body to create that extra glycine and proline. Um, I would also put those horses on a plasma supplement because of the research uh, that shows plasma's benefits for actually improving range of motion and stride length in horses. And then lastly, I would probably incorporate a supplement that would encourage that nitric oxide production within the body to help improve that circulation, improve that blood flow to the injury site. So if this were my horse, I would definitely be using moving up, I would be using Lifeline Plus, and I would be using Surge, all three of those made by Stride Animal Health. Now, the second part of Allie's question was around OCD prevention in her babies. Um, when you get a moment, I want you guys to look up the term fetal programming. It sounds a little bit strange, I get it, but it's actually the concept that 
the nutrition provided to a foal while they're still in utero is going to directly impact their soundness and their longevity well into their adult life. So if you have a mare that you are planning to breed, it is absolutely critical that you get her on a quality nutrition program that's going to provide the correct trace minerals and amino acids. Okay, so you can do this through a feed. Um, I personally prefer intensified growth and development from Blue Bonnet Feeds, or you can simply provide a diet balancer. So the key is that you, you want to make sure that you're providing those important trace minerals and amino acids to the mare for that entire length of pregnancy, plus the time that the foal is nursing. Okay, so when the foal begins eating food, you can, um, you can then continue him on that same feed. Um, which will provide those building blocks that he needs during that critical growth phase of life. So that's one of the reasons I like growth and development to use that for the mare is because that baby can be alongside of him or uh, that baby can be alongside that mare and learn how to start eating those pellets and start eating that, that grain. And when you go to wean the baby, that's one less stress factor that that baby has to deal with. If he's already used to being on that feed and eating that feed, um, he's not going to have to learn how to eat or adjust to a completely different um, grain or, or, you know, food source whenever you do wean him. You know, so many times I see people provide absolutely no trace mineral nutrition to growing babies. Like they'll just kick them out on pasture um, and say, you know what, they're horses, they need to just live on grass. Well, pasture does not provide an adequate trace mineral program to those growing babies. And trace minerals are so critical for the, you know, bone, tendon, ligament strength, the density, preventing OCDs, preventing these abnormalities. Um, the other thing that I see people do is they'll just feed the, the horses oats. Okay, so they'll give them hay and oats or they'll turn them out on pasture and then give them oats as the grain. Well, what they don't understand is that diet is is also really deficient in those important trace minerals and can certainly lead to to abnormalities such as OCDs um, or just, you know, causing weaknesses in those bones, tendons or ligaments that are going to then lead to injury later on in their career. So if if you do want to feed oats or if you want to feed any kind of non-fortified feed, um, please, please use a diet balancer on top of it. When I say non-fortified feed, I'm talking about, you know, if you want to just feed alfalfa pellets or alfalfa cubes or rice bran or beet pulp or, I mean, even like all stock feeds or cattle creep feeds um, or, or anything else that you get that would not have been formulated by an equine nutritionist, okay? So horses have a much higher trace mineral requirement than cattle or sheep or goats. So it's really important that you feed something that is designed specifically for horses. And if you're raising babies, make sure that you're feeding something that is designed specifically for growing horses, because the, the needs of a growing horse are going to be a lot different than the needs of a mature horse. So another thing that I really like to do for growing horses is um, to provide kind of an amped up dose um, of things that will help with that bone fill and that bone structure. So specifically, I like to use glucosamine, chondroitin, MSM, and then some very specific trace minerals um, in, in very specific ratios between 9 to 12 months of age. So this is kind of a critical growth period where that bone is really filling in. And we've had a lot of really, really good luck actually at reducing the average rates of OCDs in some of the larger, larger breeding programs that we work with. 
um, by doing this combination. So um, for those of you who are curious or you want to kind of implement this same combination into your own program, or maybe you have just that one super special baby and you want to do everything you can for them, um, the combination is from a feed aspect, um, the grain that I recommend is Intensified Growth and Development by Blue Bonnet Feeds, giving that to the mare and to the baby. And then after that baby's weaned, so when they hit nine months of age, so from nine months to through 12 months, I put them on a combination of three different supplements. So first is Orthomax, second is Surge, and then third is Fish Oil Factor. So the Orthomax is used to provide those really important building blocks. Um, Surge is that nitric oxide delivery system that I mentioned earlier in the episode. And then fish oil factor is a really potent um, omega-3 anti-inflammatory. So actually on that note, um, it's important to remember that things like physitis or inflammation in the growth plates um, that that's actually really common in growing horses. Okay. So don't freak out and pull your feed program. If you see a little bit of inflammation in the growth plates. Um, and I, and I'm saying that about whatever feed program you're using. If, if you've got a, a well-established, you know, good feed program that, that is providing the proper nutrients and you see a little bit of, of physitis or a little bit of inflammation in the growth plates of your baby, don't freak out. Okay. <laughs> don't pull your, don't pull your feed program. Um, so if, if you happen to be feeding like a really big amount of a high starch feed, like, you know, if you're feeding a whole bunch of sweet feed or a bunch of oats, yeah, definitely reduce that because, um, you know, really high energy feeds or high starch, high sugar feeds, like sweet feeds and oats, um, those, those actually can be directly related to, um, growth rates that happen too quickly. Um, and so we, that's the reason behind reducing some of that, but you definitely don't want to reduce your trace mineral programs. So if you are feeding oats or something, or you decide that you need to reduce some of your feed, um, make sure that you're offering back the right trace mineral program by uh, incorporating a diet balancer. So, you know, providing those trace minerals is not going to cause those horses to develop that. So most researchers and veterinarians are actually in agreement that physitis um, typically is going to resolve on its own. So you, you, you don't have to get too worried about it, you know, and, and I think that's one of the other reasons too, is sometimes people will notice that in their full and then they'll pull their feed and then they'll say, oh, it cleared up in, you know, 30 or 45 days. Well, that growth abnormality was probably going to clear up on its own within 30 to 45 days, no matter what you did, whether you kept the feed in there or you didn't. So, you know, another thing to remember with growth abnormalities um, like OCDs that they're only partially influenced by nutrition. So genetics and management are the other two really critical factors that must also be addressed. I hope this episode was helpful. I know that we only scratched the surface of these particular topics. Um, I'm actually hoping to get a tendon and ligament injury specialist on the show in the near future. So cross your fingers that I can pull that off and we can all learn a little bit more about the different, you know, rehabilitation, rehabilitation techniques, um, and different strategies that are maybe being researched and used currently. So that brings us to a close for today. Um, I really appreciate you listening and I would absolutely love it if you shared this episode on your favorite social media channel to make it just a little bit easier for your friends to find. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Feed Room Chemist. If you like what you hear, be sure to share with your friends, post to social media, or give us a review. And as Winston Churchill used to say, 
no hour of life is wasted that is spent in the saddle. So go saddle up.